I can't just... tell you. I can't tell you. Oh, she's in the Secret un- Service. <laughs> they're unshowered. I can't Secrets. tell you the unshowered person. <laughs> you know, you can keep I'm unshowered. Your... <laughs> I'm an unshowered person. I am very showered. You want to know why showered. I'm showered? Yeah, yeah, tell let me just tell you why I'm showered, guys. You need to tell. <laughs> let me tell you. Can I take a picture, too, from here? Oh, yes. My cookie. I'm a county girl, and I've got Quint blood in me. German blood. My brothers blood. have not so much since they've become adults. Really, they've they've grown up quite into quite lovely men. But growing up, they both had volatile tempers. Came by it honestly, both sides of the family. I'm the middle child, the only girl, peacemaker. Behold the peacemaker, right? <laughs> Behold the peacemaker. <laughs> Hardly ever lose my temper. I really don't feel like I have much of a temper. But every once in a while, the rage monster shows herself. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of an extreme but i lost my temper today so we've been off in the apocalypse we've been in the apocalypse with storms mm-hmm. and we're all running on generators <laughs> and we were coming to podcast today and kev said hey can you just run out and see if the oil light is low on the generator and if it is maybe add a little bit of oil i don't, I don't know anything about generators but like he's like i'll walk you through it we face we're facetiming so he's like, there's a little dipstick on the side. Just unscrew it, pull it out. And if it's low, just put some oil in it so that it stays running while you're gone. And I'm like ready to go out the door to come see these lovelies. So we're on the thing. We're talk, we're FaceTiming and I unscrew the dipstick and I don't know. It was like under pressure and it literally explo- – it was like vomiting – oil all over my entire body my face my hair I looked like a drowned back my clothes my arms and I was like I gotta go I chucked my phone and I'm slathered covered covered head to toe in oil unbelievable so Mm -mm. hence the fresh shower Mm -mm. and so I said to the girls and to my husband I was like if that had been hot oil I would be blind and disfigured you'd have to deal with that the rest of our lives Mm -hmm. so and London said that if that was true she'd have dad tuck her in at night so that she wouldn't have nightmares (laughs) But she'd still love me. She's like, I, I would definitely Lundy. still love you, but I would just have to probably have daddy tuck me in at night so that I wouldn't have nightmares. And I was like, and, and I would accept that. That would be fine. <laughs> Mom, your face. <laughs> You're a monster. Oh, my so anyways, gosh. That was my Honey, day today. That's not normal. That was yeah, not okay. That, something that was strange in the neighborhood. Scary, something honestly. strange in the neighborhood. What is that from? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yes. Who are you yeah. going to call? That doesn't really add up. Even my hubby was like, why? There's no... There shouldn't be oil happening. Under pressure. Yeah. That's what Kevin said. He's like, I had no idea that was going to happen. I was like, you shouldn't ask your wife to do things if you don't know that something's (laughs) going to happen. And I get exploded on. I almost went blind. (laughs) Which I didn't, but I felt like I was going to. I feel like that was rational. Yeah. Yeah. Rational rage. Rational rage. Let's call that rage. What do we have? Vigorous conversation? Fellowship? Vigorous fellowship. Vigorous fellowship this morning. And rational rage. Rage. Yeah. So anyways, it was, so I am very freshly showered with a hint of oil parfum. <laughs> I, I it won't come off. I did not make you bad. Eau de l'eau. Eau Yeah. I just smell manly. Look, I've been working in the mines. On the rigging. And my skin feels so... I'm nervous Smooth. about that. Smooth. <laughs> I was going to say lubricated, but yeah. that word is just... <laughs> no need for lotion for days. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Carry on. Who's leading? Yeah. All right. Me? Oh, yeah, Sorry. yeah. I guess I am. Mm. Tie that sucker in, baby. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that guy. So my last podcast, we talked about changing your internal narrative and what is our internal narrative and when we start... Um, my husband was trying to kill me today. 
oh, that's not it. <laughs> that's not your internal narrative. Um, <laughs> and when we start getting to it, like when we start peeling the onion and finding out what that is, we can then start seeing how we respond to different situations differently than other people because we're responding from that <laughs> That's internal such a nice way of putting it <laughs> and then until we know our internal narrative oh we're playing footsies I'm i sorry. love when that happens um when we um and when we change when we know our internal narrative then we can change it because we can speak into it so we kind of you i i know that mine is unwanted and unloved you were saying that um you're not good enough i'm an I'm just not enough. You're just not enough. Yeah. I'm not enough. And use, mm. yours was. Use was. I, didn't I say my worth is in what I do? Yes. Your worth is Something in what like you that. do. Yeah. So Output. Output. When, yeah. We, when we start looking at how to change that internal narrative, it's just kind of important that you can't change it until you know what it is. You can't mm. change it until mm-hmm. you start confessing it, right? Like mm-hmm. you start exp- saying this is what my internal narrative and this is this is where I'm starting to battle. And and then you can start changing this. So this is... Um, You're going to teach us how? I'm going to show Ooh. you some steps. Yes, Ooh. I am Madame not... Madame Small. Madame, Madame Petite. Madame Petite. So um, mm. again, I am not a psychologist, though I did apply to grad school. So let's see okay, everyone. Okay, you did. <laughs> okay, cheers. Cheers to seeing if I get in or not. Okay. <laughs> well, you can, side, side question. Will you continue Small Wonders and do grad school yeah, at the same time? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay. that's why I chose. I was looking at several different graduate schools. Um, most of the there was one that was a Christian school that I obviously loved because of I loved the biblical background but you do it in a cohort so mm-hmm. as it being in a cohort you have to take mm-hmm. full semesters and I was like yeah I'm not I'm 45 I'm not doing that no you can't make me so um, I'm actually just going to go to a secular uni- the University of Maine because I could just do a class a semester that's what Kurt's been doing yeah and just yeah. slowly mm-hmm. pick out a way mm-hmm. pick away at it <laughs> Isabel but the fun part is that Isabel and I will probably both get our master's degree at the same time so she'll be getting her master's in social work wow. the same time I'm getting my master's in psychology that's fun so we're gonna I told her we're gonna a open up party. a family I business say, you can open up like a little clinic that's fun mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it'll be so, much needed by then it feels much <laughs> now. needed now yeah so anyway not a psychologist this is from psychology today just took um so we recap we know our narrative mm-hmm. so I'm just gonna read this little part it is your job to completely reshape your past narrative. The first step is shifting from the gap gap to the gain. And here's how you do it. So the gap between what is true and what is your narrative, how do you gain inches to make oh, that yeah, smaller? Yeah, yeah. Okay? Make little pivots, essentially. Make little pivots, yes. So step one, yeah. think about three to five key experiences that you feel have negatively impacted your life. Oh, gosh. In that arena of your storyline? Yes, yes. Okay, very so, good, yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, again... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's super easy for me. Mm-hmm. So I have we're supposed lots. to. We're supposed to think about those things. Yeah, because you okay. have to. I guess a lot of that doesn't even have in my brain with my thing. It doesn't even have to be negative. It's how I interpret it. Yeah, right. Don't you think? I do. I also think that if you went deep into your deep deep into your soul, I think you would find some things that trigger that. That why you think that you are what you do, and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that. It doesn't have to be trauma filled. It doesn't have That's to be. That's what I mean. Yeah, it doesn't, it have, doesn't to be have to be like filled. mine's. Mine's so quote unquote easy because it's like my mom beat me, my biological father left me. Like mm-hmm. I have like a I have a pretty good country song, mm. you know, to to like lean into. <laughs> my dog yeah. now pees on the floor. It she sure does, <laughs> and so. I, 
But I think deep inside of us, how we interpret, like Mm -hmm. if you don't like disappointment and you feel like your mom thought you you were – you disappointed her with bad grades and so all of a sudden in your mind you were like, I have to get A's because my mom, I don't want my mom to be upset. It could be something that simple. It doesn't have to be super big. But I do think if you meditate on wh- mm-hmm. why you respond to things a certain way, there will be key and pivotal things and experiences that happen in your life that, mm-hmm. will, that will shape you. Mm. You know, mine are a little bit easier to find because they're just more um, obnoxious. I feel like mine are so in- – are, are me. Like, I can remember mom telling me, like, making me a cup of hot chocolate and bringing it into the desk in the room and being like, you need to be done studying tonight. Like, that is enough. Come and be with the family. Like, she would be the one and mm-hmm. never – and I feel like with my kids with their grades, I don't care what they get. I never cared what they get for grades if, as long as they tried. Right. But for me, if I get a 98, I wanted to know why – what those what that 2% was that I got wrong. Wow. But that's all me. No one's ever put that on me. Yeah. So there must be something that you perceived. It's a perception of this is where this is what I this is how yes. what I feel is worth. And it could even be like when you were talking about your brothers and you being the middle child that that is your place. Like so I always wonder that about my kids. Like like if this person's this one and this person's, you know, this one, well then this I I guess I'm the smart one. And so because I'm the smart one, mm-hmm. like I always think that about Thomas, like because mm-hmm. he's the youngest of four very big personalities. Mm-hmm. So in, And he is very, I mean, he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So it's almost that becomes like where everything filters through. Yeah, yeah. Because, and no one's told him you have, like I've yeah. not said, Thomas, I will not love you until you get your PhD in physics. Like that's <laughs> yeah. never uttered. Yeah. But that's how he sees himself yeah. in his family dynamic. He's you the are the one. mother. You're the mother of your place. Right. Well, and the, I was like, as a kid, I was, while you were talking, I was like, what were all of us going through my sibbies? And sibbies, that's cute, my sibbies. <laughs> we all did have a thing. And I, if they sometimes crossed over, like I remember a specific, I was obviously like the artist and I was super musical. So I played the piano by ear at a really young age. Not, not well, but I played a lot. Like I didn't play well as in I couldn't perform. Right. But I, I played a lot. And then I started learning the guitar, teaching myself just a few chords and stuff like that. And my sister wanted to play the guitar. And I remember there being this sort of hostility that now it was, she's like, I don't know, there was a hostility going kind of both ways where it's like, well, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then she felt kind of like, I have to outdo you now because I want this to be my thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just a there's like a competition. There's like almost a, yeah, like these unspoken competitions or these unspoken um, right. s- ownership of this thing that this identity identity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think so, that is what it is. And if you do that too, or if you outdo me, then that's no longer my sure and fast identity where mm-hmm. when and especially when we're kids and trying to figure that out and yeah. depending on your sibling dynamics that could be a real struggle or not a struggle at all mm-hmm. yep yeah and but, gender and yeah. socioeconomic standing mm-hmm. like all the things as we d- children develop and their brains develop as we're growing we are trying to find autonomy that is our goal right like what's autonomy again autonomy means self individuality indiv- self individuality yeah, like okay. you know mm-hmm. and so our children, they're trying to figure mm-hmm. out their own place in the world. They, right. they're, you know, that you have a healthy um, 
autonomous child if they if they leave if they leave yes. home if they're able yep. to like have their own family if they're mm-hmm. able you know so autonomy is really incredibly important mm-hmm. and and yet while you're being autonomous or trying to be autonomous you are part of a unit mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. all of those different things feed each other and depending on how open your family is and how much you talk about things, how much how you do conflict resolution, how you don't do conflict resolution, yeah, yep. those things build on purpose or by accident internal narratives that we have to say to ourselves so that we can become like autonomous. So mm-hmm. my internal narrative, I am unwanted and unloved. It was the drive that made me become to become autonomous. I I was going to do or be or see anything that I could to become loved and wanted because I knew that's how I could be successful or autonomous. Like I mm. if I was a part or of just something feel better about feel, yourself. Yeah. Even, just become just like a feel human. Like, a, like you had mm. worth. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um then, mm. so you think about these three to five key experiences that you had um, neg- that negatively impacted your life. And then your, this next step is to list all the benefits or opportunities of learning that have come from those three to five experiences. So, you know, I know it's super duper hard, but that's how, you know, f- taking it from a biblical experience is, you know, God uses all things, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Well, what was the thing that you just said in the last one? Uh something torn that mm-hmm. is or what was oh what was oh, that? From the thing something that that where god, do you see torn places that god used made it pretty <laughs> yeah that <God laughs> made it pretty it was something like that it yeah. was yeah it was like from torn to where god made it into a gift was that Maybe. it yeah and so i think you know well it shapes us right it yeah. does it, doesn't yeah. it come down to being shaped so it's like the experience is good or bad god does use to shape, shape us yes so and there's benefits like god promises that he uses all things for the good of those who love them right. so for the good it's not and the bad it's just the good so we go through certain things because there's something we need to learn how to glean them so i think what Obviously, they're trying what we're trying to do again. How we, mm. we talk, constantly talk about writing or speaking things out, it's learning to change that narrative. So, when I definitely before trauma therapy, when I would look at my childhood and my upbringing and my relationship with my mother and those things, it, it always filled me with angst. Like, there was an, an instant anxiety that would start brewing, mm-hmm. an instant. Uh, panic, an Mm. instant eggshell feeling, you know, that feeling of like, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh. Mm. And -hmm. that could be triggered in anything else. If a bride was upset with me in an email, it would be the exact same trigger that I would feel Mm -hmm. being in those situations Mm -hmm. with my mother. What trauma therapy and learning how to remap your brain, I'm learning how to see what were the benefits. Like I'm really quick on my feet. I really know how to look, go into crisis mode and I know how to pivot and change things. I I would not be as good in apocalypse as Kurt perhaps with like <laughs> rations, but I could walk <laughs> into rations. I can walk into any situation. It used to be what made me such a great wedding planner. Um I could walk in and I could sense Okay, the bride and that bridesmaid are fighting. Mm-hmm. The dad is really frustrated by this. I could feel the feel the energy in the room mm-hmm. and I would 
instantly know, just like that, mm-hmm. okay, I need to separate these two and I have to go and talk to her about this. I need to go talk to her about that. I had to bring him over here. She needs a glass of wine. We need, And I was able to orchestrate <laughs> yeah. it so that in the end, everyone felt heard, wanted, and were loved. So that that's that, amazing. That was like, a temper. Peace out. I'm that's how the. <laughs> but the only reason I knew how to do that was because. Well. However, now the healthier, healthier I get, the less and less interested I am. You want to? to yes. Do that. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that so good? Yeah. Because I'm yeah. like, I don't. I, you don't need that in your life. I don't need <laughs> it. But it's yeah. it was my way of fixing mm-hmm. those things. So. Those were some good things that came out of my trauma, right? Like yeah, I'm yeah. really good at reading people. I'm really good at um, facing fear. Like mm-hmm. it was fearful going home. It was not – I did not – when I got off the bus when I was a little girl, it wasn't like, yay, I'm home. That was mm-hmm. never the feeling that I got. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I know how to push through fear. I know how to handle hard situations. I – incredible empathizer mm-hmm. I'm really good at seeing a person right where they're at and mm-hmm. I can speak kindly like mm-hmm. any race creed socioeconomic you know anything I always joked that um I had crazy children they were all wild when they were little and I remember when I first started teaching again it was like the first epiphany of like the reason the Lord gave me those children is because nothing any preschool mama ever says to me mm-hmm. about a situation in their family I have not faced. Yeah. And I can speak into them with such mm-hmm. lack of judgment and yeah. loved because right. mm-hmm. I want them to feel wanted right. and loved. So like I get to use my crisis now to love other people. My phone mm-hmm. keeps turning off. So good. Okay. So that's step two. The step two is to list all those benefits and opportunities. List the benefits and opportunities. Of okay. those three to five experiences. It was, when have you seen God take what was torn and turn it into a gift? Yes. That was the sentence. That's mm-hmm. exactly what that, this yeah, step right. is. Right. So step three is, think about your current view of the cause of those experiences. Okay, so. Current view of the cause? Right. So like for me, it's my mom, right? Like mm-hmm. why, why did those bad experiences happen? Mm. Because... I had this mom or I had this, mm-hmm. you know, I come from systematic abuse and poverty or whatever, whatever that is. Um, then rethink the cause. Is it possible that there's more to what happened than you initially thought? What would it mean if something else caused this event? So something good or something bad? Just something. My dear friend Dean always says, be curious. Yeah, I love that. Ask curious questions. Be curious. What or like the reasons why? So for me, I'm not going to say a lot of who or what because yeah. there's different things. But um, I always say reasons, not excuses. Yes, that's a great way of saying it, and that can kind of sum up a lot of my life. Uh, both. A blues, abuse and neglect that I feel personally that I sustained. There were reasons, but there was also, I feel like. But that's not It's still not an excuse, especially when there's a child involved or when the fallout hits children or 
a whole family or or whatever. I don't. It's it's not an excuse. Like it, right. it's so it's such a different thing. It makes mm-hmm. it like I can see why that mm-hmm. happened. I yeah. can see mm-hmm. why yeah. you felt this way and why you took it out on us. Mm-hmm. But that's still not an excuse, and right. it doesn't it doesn't negate the pain ever. It right. doesn't just make that go away for the children who were stressed or the the family that had to walk away and create really hard boundaries or Mm -hmm. it it's reasons reasons your mom also has reasons why she was the way she was and so did her mom and her mom it it was it was a systemic trauma thing that kept landing hard on the next generation and and you were thankfully the last generation and you were saved and you were able to turn and face it instead of spill it out onto another generation Mm -hmm. but that's normal that's a normal human thing to be wrecked and then to wreck yeah oh yeah hurting people people, hurt hurt people people. (gasps) right yeah so that's a normal thing it's a reason right it's not an excuse and i think the reason again if if the purpose of this is to change your own personal narrative i think i if i could speak into what i think they're getting to is that i think what they're trying to get is to have you let go of your part in it mm-hmm. so that you can release like own your part of it like no to to like let go like so like if if you like for me if i if my narrative constantly i am unwanted and i am unloved oh let go of that i need to let oh, go see, of yeah, my yeah. part of that i actually am wanted yes, and loved yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. these situations were hard and but they I happened. learned, and they happened, and they are real. Mm-hmm. And these are the things I learned from them. Mm-hmm. And this is the reasons, not the excuses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to take myself out yeah, of yeah. the equation. That's right. Good. So, like, you're absolutely right. M- my mother had sustained trauma as well, mm-hmm. and my grandmother had trauma. And I come from a systematic abuse, systematic poverty. Hurt people, hurt people, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 100% all the way down. I can acknowledge those things and I can take myself out of that narrative. Almost see it logically. Yes. And then I, you know, like, because if you don't, it just, you become, you just become an excuse too. You become a, a person. You get caught in a victim yes. mentality, which, you know, part of the cycle, part of the perpetuation. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. fun fact, I love learning about, um, serial killers. It's a thing. I know so it's weird. I. It's weird. I know. It's, some so people it wigs them out. Other people they're they're in the same boat. I love them. I love. I don't love. I don't love serial killers. I love understanding the way the mind works. How they got what, to where they are. Where did they come from? And often, you know, when I and I like hearing it not from like the story of what they did. I like my new obsession is psychology psychiatrist since that's where I'm headed. Mm-hmm. You know. And re deconstructing their brain of what might have happened. Whereas, you know, brain trauma could come in, abuse could come in. And every single time, it's like without question, they always say, this person sustained this kind of abuse as a Mm -hmm. child. However, Mm -hmm. that does not mean every person that was abused as a child becomes an abuser. Absolutely, right. Right. And... Therefore, because of that, that is not an excuse for you to abuse a child. Yeah. You know, like I... There's always this point. 
where you can choose to not do that thing. And or that's even, what I think that's what, Or your responsibility. You yeah. have a responsibility. Yes. For and it. I think that's what this number yes. step three is talking about. Think yeah. of your current view mm-hmm. that caused these those experiences. Then rethink the cause. Is it possible that there's more to the, what happened than you initially thought? What would it mean if something else caused this event? So like... What if it wasn't you personally, but it's them dealing with their own stuff or that, you know, the reasons behind mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that therefore you're not, you're not part it's of that. It's kind of like how, first of all, all this reminds me of forgiveness. Forgiveness mm-hmm. is a huge part of it. And then, at least for me and my stories, not the narrative, the narrative comes up a lot and it's something I struggle with, but if I think about it and work through it I forgive like I forgive and I don't hold Mm -hmm. any whatever I've had to set really hard boundaries Mm -hmm. and boundaries are very very different than narrative right yes yes absolutely and that is the key but then and the other thing I was thinking of it's kind of like divorce how often children feel it's my fault like Mm. children will if something bad's happening children will often assume it's their fault I'm not sure why this is but it's true and so like always, it, I think. always, yeah, yeah. Yep. They're fighting. It must be my fault. What? Mm-hmm. No, well, you were like the farthest reason from the reason that we're fighting. That's or- because children, by nature, are selfish beings. Like because they're just trying to get through their hierarchy of needs, so they don't have the brain capacity or the life experience to filter it through anything else but themselves. Hmm. Children, until our brain develops, children, their <laughs> their lot in life is eat. Get my needs met, which is mm-hmm. sleep, clothing, warmth, Food. love, affection, and go to the next schema of like the next hierarchy of needs. If it's not they an, can. if they can. Right. And so yeah. children that have trauma inside their inside that beginning, and it's not until adulthood when the frontal lobe starts that you can start seeing and that's when, you know, teen Think of adolescence, right? That's when every, all of a sudden they panic about that, that everything being their fault and then they want to blame everyone else because it's mm-hmm. a different type of ego mm-hmm. and within your, your development. And it's not until the brain's fully developed mm-hmm. that we can then perceive things from both sides. So yes. But a that's, a good, gets, that's kind of a, a divorce is a good illustration mm-hmm. of like this is something huge that happened that wrecked a life mm-hmm. or multiple lives. That there were reasons, not excuses. It affected everyone around yep. them. But those people that are affected might be perceiving that thing that happened, this big thing that was life-wrecking, as their fault or as injuring them specifically. When really, it's the problem was the divorce and the wrecking of this relationship that was so special and so you know, family centric and, and necessary and now it's broken, mm-hmm. there's going to be fallout, yeah. but it's, n- but you can, and you can be so hurt by the fallout that it ruins your life or wrecks you as a human being. And so, and I think you and I, you experienced even physical abuse, which I never experienced that, but like the wrecking, the wrecking ball effect, sadly, even in pretty good homes, there's going to be some things where kids have this feeling of being wrecked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and then people in more stressful homes, there's 100% going to be fallout for children as feeling stressed or wrecked or yeah. having chronic anxiety or having chronic tummy issues for the rest of their life because they endured, like that's that was fallout. That was physical fallout. and mm-hmm. emotional fallout for me of having a stressful childhood. So 
this this slow drip of stress yep for 21 years created a human being that has stomach issues chronic anxiety and it's all things that god has helped me overcome in different ways and again there's reasons mm-hmm. not excuses but reasons and if you ha- you kind of have to stay in the reasons mm-hmm. well they call it gains and gaps gains so, and gaps okay so the gaps are like the the that, gaps are the left what's left behind the wrecking mm-hmm. that that yeah, distance the shrapnel, you feel. The the shrapnel. shrapnel. Right. yeah and the gains it's the broken fallen world that we live in that's yeah. what i keep thinking like we are t- Everyone we has live gaps. in a broken ro- world. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah. And sin has such lasting consequences. It's sin. And, and Satan so doesn't much of want the wrecking us to forgive. Is because of sin. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's all because of sin. It's, it's right. all mm-hmm. because of sin. And Satan wants us to stay in the wrecked, mm-hmm. unforgiving the gap. gap. Blame. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He wants us to stay in the gap. And that's how he works on our narrative. And for women, especially, I think, especially when we go on, like the lies that we believe. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times men can be like, no. I'm I'm not that, you know, and they're, they're more Certain things. Other things, I think it's deeper. I think their pain is. That's I think true. Kevin's been affected. Kevin's for sure affected yeah. from his parents' death and divorce. Like, his, yeah, for and he'll say that like the father, mm-hmm. the father wound, the all yeah. of that he's had to battle his whole life. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's that. Mm-hmm. I just think that they show it differently than sure. we do. Yeah, um, sure. but we let it wreck our normal day. Mm-hmm. We let it well, just we talk about eat it more too. I think yeah. all the time or else because we are right. so hormonal and like we go through those fluctuations. <laughs> yeah. Which like let's be honest, women it's our bodies are just constantly out to get us. And mm-hmm. so we we battle a lot of like physical fluctuations that then take on this emotional place that goes so deep and we let it affect you know, now we're yelling at our kids when we're not really mad at our kids. <laughs> we're not, no. you know? So, yeah. So, all right. Um, and then, so step four. So now we're, what, being curious, like, could there be some other reason outside of me getting out of the gap and start to focusing on the gains? Step four is think about how these experiences have shaped your view of life and of the world. Then... Rethink your view of life and the world. If you looked at this event differently, how would that change how you view life? How would that change how you <laughs> feel lot. about other people? So Ooh, the other people want stuff for me. Well, <laughs> I think that, but I think it goes. It does. I think this. They're touching in a non-biblical way about forgiveness and yeah. releasing the power of that. And I think you know. Um, because I think if we get into, the, if we stay in the gap and we live into the what if and the what if and the what if and the what if, there's no, you're, you're on a hamster wheel and you're not moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so. Oh, for sure. It's so also, it's also destructive. It is. Yeah. And because you're, you're not moving forward and we're not meant to be stagnant. We're meant mm-hmm. to grow and change. That is what sanctification is. That is the mm-hmm. gospel. The gospel is the good news that grows and changes us. So if we can't get past the gap and we're stuck in that hamster wheel, then we then there's no growth and we become mm-hmm. stagnant and that's where bitterness roots and that's where all of those things come and that's where we get stuck. And so I think when I look at this, I think what what this psychologist is trying to do is it's trying to turn your triggers into cues, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. so but doing a deep dive in them for a little bit, journaling, you know, sitting down, really thinking about some experiences, going through these, there's five steps, going through these so that 
when for I was you know so when me and Peter start having vigorous fellowship (laughs) I can see where where is this a situation and where is this my narrative and Mm -hmm. if this is my narrative what's really happening then Mm -hmm. who am I Peter often will say to me are you fighting me or your mom right now Mm -hmm. we're really into it that's good yeah. yeah and it it annoys me because mm-hmm. normally he's right. I'm not fighting it. But like mm-hmm. it, it's a cue for me That's to good, realize yeah. mm-hmm. that right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm 21 years behind when I was a young girl or I'm even 35 years and I'm 15 or whatever the narrative is. My, I'm responding there mm-hmm. and I'm not responding here mm-hmm. with this human in this space. And the right. only way I can change that is by reformulating my narrative which I have to do by constantly changing my narrative which is changing how I see of what that I am that I am wanted and that I am loved it is untangling that in this Mm -hmm. situation of okay so I am feeling unwanted and unloved with this argument with Peter right now Mm -hmm. am I really unwanted and unloved no Right. What is the evidence of that? Mm-hmm. And start listing it in my head. What is the process? What is, you know, and the more the more we dissect our past and the more we unravel these experiences, because we all know it. Like if you get into an argument or if you get into a tete-on-tete or someone tete tete-tete or you get somebody at the grocery store just peeves you off because they did something, there is an instant feeling in your gut of an age of an experience like mm-hmm. you need to follow that mm. oh I always say I feel like a five-year-old girl right now and so you need <laughs> to good. when yeah. I you know yeah like when mm-hmm. so it would be curious if I traced back what is actually, actually what do I actually mean by that and what mm-hmm. was happening in my life that's what five. you need to do mm-hmm. I think you need to trace it I mean I always say that but mm-hmm. is that just what I say and that's and so that's what this is doing you have to chase Obviously not in that moment, but I think you should, you should, you should chase those feelings to find out where they're coming from so that you can put the truth and light in those feelings. Mm -hmm. Because if not, you can't change that, like you can't change the pathways of your brain if you don't have that external conversation. And it can just be between you and the Lord. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that you have to go to therapy. I think you should, if you Mm -hmm. can afford it. You could do it with the bestie. You guys could take turns. You could mm-hmm. listen to the podcast. You could write a journal. You could, but mm-hmm. being able to to you have to chase those experiences because they're coming. They're coming from somewhere. They're, they're coming for you. And <laughs> and until you do, yeah. that's not fair. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to your soul to keep responding like a five year old girl. It's not mm-hmm. fair for your children for you to keep. It's not fair for your husband. It's not fair for your besties. It's not fair for your. Right. It's not fair for your church. You know, like, you're not five. You're 45. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not 10 anymore. I'm not eight. You know, I'm, I'm 45. And I deserve, I deserve to live in my best life. Like, God does not want us to live right. in, like, in the pigsty. Like, we're, you know, we're all little prodigals ourselves. So like Mm -hmm. he wants us in robes and rings and, you know, being the, the most fulfillment of who the person that we're supposed to be. So we need to chase those experiences so that we can get to it. 
Because I bet if you really chased that and you found it and you kind of like chewed on it a little bit, it would, ch- it, it's like, in- it has been for me. I'm not going to say it's instantaneous like a torn Because I feel like going backwards too much is not even what God wants us to do. Like there's something where he's like, forget your past and move forward. Forgetting what is behind. Yeah. And I, I, so I, and I struggle. I, there's not actually too many instances where, so my narrative comes from A, B, or C. I don't feel able to, I don't want to go digging in there as far as like having hard conversations Mm -mm. with other people or anything like that. But I do agree that, and I have a hard time pondering and being pensive about myself. I'm just, I'd rather get up and bake something and make something and do something and live forward. Like I feel like I'm always leaning forward into the forward Uh, not even spending enough time in the present and not spending hardly any time in the past Mm. but so much of the way that I react to the future or the present is because of my past and Mm. why I'm miss piggy and why I feel feisty and why I get super triggered even though I hate that word now because it's so abused but it's Mm. like it's true we're humans we get triggered we get set off by things and I think everyone now on the whole face of the earth feels triggered about something because it's been a really hell of a lot of the last three, four years or whatever it's been now. And it's been really hard. It's it's actually been getting worse. And so people are feeling, I mean, it's there's so many gifts and jokes out there about how bad everything is. And it's like, it's not, it hasn't let up. So right. since 2019, it's like, and here we are four years later and people are like, the way that Zira has been, and it's like someone floating upside down in a puddle downstream. <laughs> and it's like, but it, we're all laughing because it's like, but yep, no, that's how it feels like. <laughs> no, really, that's how life kind of feels now, where it's like we're all sort of struggling to keep our heads above water, or we're just like barely got our mouths out of a drowning pool. And I think a lot of it, a lot of it for me, so I am not enough. Well, I've, I, and I think I said this in blank. <laughs> Close my eyes and bumped into my microphone. Um, I think I said this when you started this in your last podcast, Amber, which, and when we were trying to dissect our narratives, was that, um, frick, I lost my train of thought. Well, I just want to speak into it. I lost it. Completely gone. Well, here's what I want to say to you, though. I think there, forgiveness. I, I feel that you, you don't have to have card conversation. Like, I, I, I don't want to have hard conversations, but I do think this is about my, for me, I'm going to chase that experience for me. I don't, it's not about the other people around. Right. You want to yeah. chase it, but you don't want to live there. I don't want to live there because you're but, just trying by, to by ignoring it, you are living in it. Like, I know. You mm-hmm. are living in it. Right. If you can't mm-hmm. be present in yeah. a situation, I love you, that's called disassociation. And yeah. that's not okay. Like we should be mm-hmm. able to sit with sadness. The Lord mm-hmm. says to weep with those who, we should be able to sit in sadness. We should be able to sit in anger mm-hmm. and not respond. We should be able to have the gamut of emotions. And if we can't, it is, mm. we should go back and, and not dwell there, but figure it out. It's like a puzzle. Find you the root. Find the root. 
and take that sucker out so right. the dandelions stop growing. If you mm-hmm. don't get to the root, the dan- it's just you could right. pull the little flower and be like, whoop, it's gone. No, it's yeah. not. It's going to keep popping up and then it's going to grow. Actually, the root gets stronger. Yeah. The more you keep lopping off the top of it, the root goes deeper. Well, it's like, hello, I'm gonna- Dolly, if that's not a, <laughs> a that's perfect visual. Perfect visual. No, you're that- so right. And I, mm-hmm. as I'm saying this, I, that's why I'm, I'm saying – I'm just sifting as you're saying this. I'm having all of these sort of like flags come out on the field where it's like, does this mean I have to have hard conversations? Does it mean I have to dredge? I don't want to dredge, but I do. It would be nice to just be like, like I've totally acknowledged. I know you all know where Mm -hmm. all my narrative comes from. But to the, I think the biggest trick is to live in a forgiving posture, which is hard. And then to acknowledge like these kinds of situations around these kinds of people. So the other the other people that remind me of other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That yep. the triggers. People adjacent. <laughs> people adjacent too. And cut from the same cloth. I instantly don't like them. Mm-hmm. And I instantly will have a more abrasive, defensive, hostile posture mm-hmm. towards them. Because it's like protective. I'm already saying you're going to hurt me mm-hmm. and I'm not going to let you and mm-hmm. I'm going to hurt you right. before mm-hmm. you can hurt me. Yep. And so I, I build a quick wall mm-hmm. and then I get behind it and I get into my karate stance. Ooh. Yeah. In my heart. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. I'm like. Come at me. I'm going to show you what it's like. We're going to go outside and we're going to do... Oh, now, this poor person hasn't right. done anything yet. <laughs> Maybe even spoken. <laughs> <laughs> they just exist. But I know things or I can see it in them. And it's like, right. I can see that you're this kind of person and I don't <laughs> I like you. Or I think you. you're this kind of person. Or I think I see That's true. what yeah. it is. Right. And Amy, I think you've called me out on this many times in the last couple of years where you're like, you're so funny. You you declare that you don't like this human being and then you get to know them and you're like, they're the, th- they're the sweetest person ever. I can list the people yeah <laughs> please don't yeah. no. they're like her besties and like do you remember i know thing? so that and god uses those things to humble me and really be like this is all in your head yeah this is all in your head this right. is a battle that you're fighting it is not even real right it's just right. your and you have enough battles the lord calls us to enough battles that that we have to fight in our life. So mm-hmm. if you have to chase some experiences back three to five, as this thing says, <laughs> to lay down your weapons on those ones. Right. So that it's the same thing like when I went, again, I'm not saying you had to, like I have no contact with my biological mother. No contact. It's work you're doing on yourself. Yeah. it's mm-hmm. It has nothing. To, I don't want to have a conversation with her. I don't need to. Mm-hmm. I don't. I am at peace with whatever happens in her life. I don't wish ill will but I also don't feel any responsibility, like right. zero. Yeah. And so if whatever happens in her future, I ha- I feel no connection to it. I I don't, I, but I agree with you. I struggle with older women. Women's mm-hmm. Bible studies put me on edge. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. And I just figured out why, because I feel like I'm in a room of my mother's, even mm-hmm. though they're not anything they're lovely yeah I don't even know but like there's just something about that maternal Mm -hmm. maternalness to me is Mm -hmm. weird I don't trust it I don't like it I don't well mm -hmm. you were traumatized by it I was and so but that's not fair so Mm -hmm. but but me chasing that knowing the root knowing knowing the the root Mm -hmm. yanking that out putting my weapons down the brain space that, is what I, that I free up yeah. when mm-hmm. I have let go of mm-hmm. so much of that. 
because it's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I wish for people yeah. because there, we do live in a fallen sinful mm-hmm. world, right? Like, we are not going to not go through pain. God actually says we're going to. He promises God, it. He promises actually. it. He <laughs> promises trials. He promises tribulation. He promises that people are going to hate you because of, you love him. Mm-hmm. He promises all of those things. And I want the brain space to do that well. Mm-hmm. And I won't have that brain space to do that well if I'm still fighting yeah. the battles of my past mm-hmm. that... that are finished there and the only way god mm-hmm. says we do that is by bringing it to his feet mm-hmm. and so this is a psychological air quote of how to do that like so how then, do you how do you bring i need to bring my narrative to the foot of the cross all the time because my narrative mm-hmm. is counter gospel right it is literally sin because what i'm saying is i am unwanted and unloved mm-hmm. and my savior is going, excuse me? I made you in my image. I made you in my image and I died for you. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I'm sinning. And so if I don't fight that battle, yeah. I can't love him and I can't love his people and I can't love my husband and I can't love my children the way they deserve, the way I'm being called to. And so I have to keep going back and chasing down those emotions so that I can lay them at the feet. But if I just respond, right? If I just... Let that trigger happen. Mm -hmm. And then I go, oh, shnikes. I did it again. Sweep it under the rug. Sorry, God. That was a bummer. Whoops, I did it again. Yeah. And then I'm just on a hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. So take us to church, Amber. Yeah. So (laughs) So I just think that, so number step five. So what you have to do is you have to start changing. Like Mm. my mother abusing me had nothing to do with me. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really hard for me to chew on, but it didn't. I Is that even true? It is true. It had nothing. She could have had any child. Right, right. Okay. So and she right. would have done the same yeah, you thing. You personally. It's right. not because of the, the, the image, the creation of Amber C. Small mm-hmm. that I am, that I was abused. It isn't because of the color of my hair or the color of my eyes or mm-hmm. because I rub my feet when I fell asleep or like any of a my... A or a D. Or right. You. Or mm-hmm. whatever my quirks are. That is not mm-hmm. why I was abused. I was abused because of a bunch of experiences and sin and curses that came down and fell on me. And I... It's a bummer. It's a bummer. <laughs> it's but a bummer. It's a bummer. But so aren't the mamas in the Ukraine who are trying to raise their babies right now. Mm-hmm. It's a bummer for the people who are living in Israel who are afraid for their lives every second of every day. My bummer is no different than anybody else's bummer, right? Like we all have some bummers. And I, <laughs> I can like this change. Word, bummer. <laughs> so th- number five is think I mean, about. that's not enough. To me, it's like. <laughs> It's more than that, but I. But actually, it's not. It it's isn't. Not. It isn't. It's it isn't. Not. It isn't. It is because simple. If I take yeah. myself out of it, and if I stop being like like that divorce, if I stop thinking like the whole world is falling apart because of me, I do not have that much power. Yeah. Right. I don't. I yeah. don't have that much power. Nobody does. Yeah. So the Lord, <laughs> thank God. Right. So step five: think about these experiences and how they've shaped your identity. And how you view yourself. Then rethink your identity. Focus on the gains, not the gaps. How have you grown because of these experiences? What strengths or opportunities have become, um, have, uh, hold on, because you went through this. 
What strengths and opportunities do you have because you went through these things? Why is your future going to be different because you've been through these things? What are you committed to doing and being because of what you've learned? How can you help others? Given what you've gone through with such difficulty, what does that say about you as a person? And what does it say about you in the future? So, so I, good. You I, see that play out in so many people's lives. Like the mm-hmm. greats. Like if you hear the story behind mm-hmm. keynote speakers, awesome. Like I just saw a thing on Instagram the other day. This I don't know who he is. He's a huge motivational speaker. And he and this police officer, he's a black brother, and his white police officer, they, they traveled the world speaking together because Aww. he – the police officer took 45 minutes and talked him off the ledge of a bridge years and years ago. He's trying to commit suicide. And that's kind of what that police officer was known for. He was just really good at it. Yeah. You know, and so they became through that, through that experience, he talked him off the ledge. They bonded and became close through for years later. And now they travel the world. Like, but Aww. he's like known, well known. He's written books and he's, I know, but that's, I know that that's what brought him. That yeah. was his root story or whatever. But I mean, you know what I mean? Like, even, yeah. even Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> even Matthew McConaughey talks about it and he calls it grit. You know, like, I know a lot of times people, especially atheists, I was listening to an atheist speak because I like listening to atheists too. They fascinate me because I don't know how to live life mm-hmm. without God. I don't know how to see my suffering without mm-hmm. a God. I don't know how a mother giving birth They to make be the atheist. best Christians, let I me know. tell you. When <laughs> so, God saves what? them, they become like the but, best. Mm-hmm. But one of the things like, they always point yeah. to is suffering. How can God give a child cancer? How can God, a loving God, have a war torn Israel how can a loving God have a mother abuse their child like me and for me I Matthew McConaughey of all people was like without pain you cannot have joy Mm -hmm. if 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 you never had trials or tribulations if you've never had suffering Mm -hmm. you cannot feel joy it's actually impossible Mm -hmm. and so like so for me yeah I my childhood was a bummer. It was. It was not great. I do not wish it on anyone. I don't wish anyone to feel the pain, the suffering, the fear, the trauma. I am not minimizing it. It sucked. Excuse mm-hmm. my harsh words. <laughs> but it really did. Mm-hmm. It has scarred me deeply. Mm-hmm. But in those scars, I have more joy mothering than I think I would if it would have been easy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't count it a loss that I like how blessed I am that my children choose to come home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I turned 18 years old. I packed my Nissan Sentra hatchback. <laughs> I drove out of my driveway on the Meadow Road just a mile from where Rachel's studio is. And I said to myself, I will never come here again. And you know what? I never went back. I that never, wild. I never. Such Did a, you have a parting goodbye or anything? It was awkward and gross. Was it after graduation? No, I remember helping you pack your car and it was like as fast as we could get. It was get me I remember out. saying, are you taking this? Are you taking no, this? And, no. and all the big stuff. She was like, nope. Nope. If I can't carry it, it's I'm, not leaving. I'm not, it's, I didn't want anything to do with it. We took one last look around her empty bedroom and left. Yep. Okay. And my sister moved out that same weekend. And with nothing, she didn't even pack her room. She took the clothes that were in her backpack and moved in with my dad. And we just, as these two little girls, one, one was 18 and one was 12, made this, this bond of, we are never 
going back there. And I never did. Wow. Never. Never. I think I went one time to introduce Peter to her. And that was the first time I had stepped foot in that house. All of our things were gone. I don't know where my bedroom set went. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she sold it and for the money or mm-hmm. whatever. And my sister's things were all gone too. And and so I don't count that. That's painful. That's gross. That's not how family's supposed to be. But do you know the joy that my children choose to keep coming home? Mm-hmm. That my kids, instead of constantly finding places for sleepovers like I did. I mean, I basically lived in Rachel's bedroom from... 14 until 18 (laughs) I was sleeping in her room and then college right yeah and then in college I just had my own apartment I never I didn't even live in a dorm because I didn't want to have to not be able to go there yeah Mm -hmm. so they lock you out of dorms and I was like nope I'm not going home so I got an apartment and worked three jobs because I was never going home my kids are happy home Mm -hmm. they're not searching for places to go Mm -hmm. they're content in our home they feel peaceful at our home Emma lives on a mountain, but she comes home. Mm-hmm. Izzy is excited and thrilled to be home from college. Mm-hmm. That is a joy. Mm-hmm. And that is a joy that I feel so deeply. And I I don't think I would feel it that deeply As if deeply. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Take it for granted. I would. I'd just be like, of course I want to be home. Home's where the heart is. <laughs> that is not. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. Yeah. So like, so I think that is what how we reshape our narrative. Mm-hmm. And you can't do it without really exploring that narrative and exposing the lies of it and laying those lies at the feet of the cross. I am wanted and loved. I am so wanted and loved. My children want me. My husband wants me. My friends want me. I am so loved. I mean, we had this adorable college student who did get kicked out of his dorm and his car was broken who stayed with us for like four days. And he was like, Mrs. Small, I love being here. Can't even fathom. Mm-hmm. That anyone would ever felt that in my house as a child. Like mm-hmm. I, Rachel was the only person I ever let to be in my house, and that well, was. And I, un- we, I made sure to know when your mom was going home so I could leave first because yeah. I was scared. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or else you would just come with me. Or mm-hmm. yeah, we yeah, would both. Be like yeah, but <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I just mm-hmm. I challenge everyone to. I know it's scary. I know it's hard to like really press into your past. I know pain is painful. But until we mourn with those who mourn, we cannot we cannot be cheerful and joyful. And and sometimes the mourning that we the people we need to mourn for is our own selves, our own our own sadness, our own childhood. You Mm. childhood. You you got to sit in it a little bit. Don't dwell. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a hard conversation. You may maybe you want to write a letter to the to the man that abused you as a child or to the teacher that was cruel to you as a child yeah write him a letter you don't have to send it but get it out Mm -hmm. because if not it just festers in there and that's not how how we should live Mm -hmm. i will get off my soapbox latch no that's so good i could talk about this (laughs) forever because this is something i really really struggle with and i think a lot of people do Mm -hmm. i it's not often and it's hard because i think in our in our in our tendencies to be not to be pollyannas i guess that's not we know how lucky we are as believers and so sometimes airing, quote unquote, airing our dirty laundry or airing the church's dirty laundry or airing anything, it feels like you're not being grateful. Mm-hmm. And that is not what this is. Or not being forgiving. Or not being forgiving. Yeah. And it's uh, such a, it's such mm-hmm. a, it's such a m- misuse. It's such a, 
it's putting a veneer on something yeah. that doesn't need mm-hmm. a veneer. Mm-hmm. I think the church should be the first to share their sh- their shame and mm-hmm. the first to share their guilt and the first to share their sin and their struggles because we we get it and we get the answer. Right. But if we all act like everything is awesome, mm-hmm. like then then to the brush it under the rug. Brush it under the rug. I mean, I I was talking to this boy that was staying with us and he's really struggling with his faith. And we were talking about it and I said, "Buddy, here's the thing about teenagers and and humans in general. We all have a BS meter. Mm-hmm. Like we can smell it if it's not true." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if we as Christians who actually know the gospel, we actually know the real T, capital T, capital R, capital U, capital T, capital H. We know that truth. We know it. It's like, what are you spelling? (laughs) Capital T, capital Uh, K, capital U. (laughs) We know that truth and we don't act accordingly. Mm -hmm. Everyone around us, everyone around us is like, BS. This is all BS. BS, I call it. I Mm -hmm. call it. And that's, that was my feeling about the church until I was loved well by Rachel's family. Like, Christians seemed weird to me because Mm -hmm. they acted like they had it all together. But I knew they didn't have it all together because I didn't have it all together and I knew what trauma looked like and I was smelling it all over them. Like, (laughs) their trauma was stinking. Smelling it a mile away. There's nothing different about Christians except that we know and love our Savior that we believe that he's our savior. Like there's, that's it. Like everything mm-hmm. else, we are one horrible decision away from wrecking our lives, mm-hmm. just like everyone else. Right. And that's, that's the foot we should lead on. Well, and Christians, we have a safe daddy who mm-hmm. can take it mm-hmm. and can shoulder it and can mm-hmm. deal with it. Mm-hmm. And you like, that's, that's the difference. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, that's huge. That, that is it. Where he's mm-hmm. like, I've got this, you give it to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas when, if you don't have that, what do you have? Well, and he doesn't judge us. So yeah. going back to my thing where I am not enough, the only being where I feel like I am enough is before the Lord. I don't feel like I'm enough for myself. I don't feel like I'm enough for my family. And I don't feel like I'm enough for others in general. The only being is mm. God. I feel, I don't feel like he's, he's not the one putting all this pressure. And he's not the one that's like, there's a gap, there's a gap, there's a gap. Look at this huge gap. That's just coming from myself mostly or, you know, like my perceived pressure mm-hmm. from others. But it's really, it's mostly me, mm-hmm. it, all me, where I'm just like, <laughs> my standard for myself is way up here, way up there, and I'm never going to get to it, and there, I'm never going to be enough. And God's like, I, I don't know why you're trying to prove yourself. Like, <laughs> I already love you, and I already have a spot for you up in here in heaven, and it's like, you're good. And it's white. You're good. <laughs> and it's white. Guess what? I know your favorite color. So. <laughs> Well, not only that, he made me this way. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've been trying to, Mm -hmm. so recently I went through like months of bleeding, surgery, post-surgery. And in that post, I kind of lost my filter a lot. And for a couple of weeks felt like it was like PMS on steroids (laughs) is the way that I felt. Or like for those of you who have had babies, there's a certain feeling when you're pregnant. There's a certain (laughs) feeling when you're nursing. There's a certain feeling when you stop nursing where your hormones are not uh, regulated. (laughs) Everything is a free for all and just floating and losing it. And you're suffering through the feelings 
of that and you're taking it out on others as well. Mm -hmm. And so for a couple of weeks, I was feeling like this, whatever was happening in my body was resulting in this hormone imbalance Mm -hmm. that four reels, four reels (laughs) was setting me so off. And towards the end of that, and once people were pressing in and being like, okay, we're going to just give you a little bit of grace, but we're also going to press in a little bit and be like, are you okay? What's going on with you? Like that was a real hot response. (laughs) God started working a deeper, he was using that whole thing and he was using the pressing in. And I think one of the wonderful things about our mid forties, and we say this a lot, is Mm -hmm. that we're more ready to take our walls down and be like, you know what? I don't have it all figured Mm -hmm. out. I am a hot mess. Uh, It's only getting worse. In fact, let me show you some more. <laughs> let me show you what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he uh, was pressing in, in my heart space and in my mind and saying, this is another season. He's called me to a couple se- seasons of what I wanted to say, the larger, the overall arcing thing with silence, which is not, I'm not great at that, but um, especially in certain situations but he's just like I want you to I want you to be diminished so that you can let me come forward so that you can let other people come forward so that you can just like do some reflecting (laughs) sit in how much I love you just the way you are you don't have to output anything I do not have any expectations that are super grand or super you know it's like I need you to just rest and be quiet (laughs) and it was following because it was following this where I'm sort of coming unhinged, I think that was really important. Juxtaposition, if you will. <laughs> Don't throw a big, <laughs> throw a big spicy Ooh. word out there. It's true. It was like these things where all of a sudden it smacked in the middle and it was like right on the other side of all this hot, everything's bad feeling was total peace and surrender and giving up of all the things. And it, it really just, it was, it had to be this choice where I was like, oh, you're right. I give up. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to fix this. I'm not even going to try to fix the way that I feel, but I'm also not going to obliterate other human beings in this feel. I'm not mm-hmm. going to try to I don't want to do that anymore. I've already hurt like pretty much everybody that I love this week. I'm not I don't want to do that anymore. And I don't want to do that anymore ever. I want to try harder to not do those things from now on. And that re- that that's part of this. Yep. Because like the gap affects the narrative and the narrative affects how we act yep. around our th- others and how we are act about ourselves. Right. So the, the smaller you make that gap, yeah. your behavior does change. Yeah. But until you deal with the gap and make it, if you, you have to close that gap. And the only way you can do that is by really... Pressing in. Pressing and in. Figuring Sit, it I out. mean, I just keep saying sitting in the mess of it because. Mm. Which is kind of, cal- it, 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 you're sitting in the mess, but our culture wants you to sit in the mess and use that as a reason to be justified. To stay in our the mess. Be a victim says, in the mess. Yeah, yeah. Our culture says you have every right to A, B, or C because mm-hmm. of all the injury. And God says, you don't have to act like this anymore. I've taken mm-hmm. the injury. The injury yeah, for you. So and you can be kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you can forgive. And, and I, you can yeah. move past all this and not be hostile. And I also so think good. it's a pendulum. Like, I also think a lot of what we're seeing, first off, I think we're seeing too much. I keep saying that. Oh, like, absolutely. We're seeing too, too much. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and sure. so mm-hmm. I think. And doing too much. We're mm-hmm. trying to, to 
do too much. Yeah. Seeing too much, doing, doing too, too much, much, being too, too much, much. All the all things. The, it's mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. It's too and much. so I think <laughs> the pendulum, like I think, you know, Gen Xers who are us, I'm going to jump off of that for our next podcast. Okay. Not if we have time. If we don't have time today. We have time. But, um, oh. So yeah. we, so Gen Xers who are we are, you know, we're the last of the feral children, you know. Yes. We were raised, <laughs> so we were raised The last by, of the feral children. I love that. Um, <laughs> I am fighting to raise feral children. Yes, I know. I but, I am. Oof. But so. I love that. Um, <laughs> fighting to raise like, feral our, children. <laughs> There's a podcast for you. We are. Gen Xers are something. <laughs> but if you look at her, our parents, our parents were raised by baby boomers, most of our parents, and or our baby boomers that had their children late. And so baby boomers, their whole they were raised by the silent generation. And so they, so it's like, it's interesting mm-hmm. how it, like, mm-hmm. we, mm-hmm. we yes, go to we one side of the pendulum we to do. the other. So the silent generation raised these ch- children, and then they became the baby boomers. And the baby boomers grew up, and they were like, well, I don't care what you do. My parents cared about everything out external, so we're not going to care about anything. Just come home when the lights are on, mm-hmm. and come home when I ring the bell. Yeah, was. Yep. And then when <laughs> you know, here's a key. I got to work because it's a recession, and I need to feed you. And so, like, we were all kind of raised that way. And so, our generation, we. I think our feelings weren't ever really talked about because our parents didn't really. Talk we didn't about. have feelings, right? What are you about? Yeah, and our parents <laughs> were feelings were almost kind of I don't know it's it's when you look at like how it all Mm -hmm. filters through like yeah Mm -hmm. the silent generation like these men came home from war where they had seen the most horrific Mm -hmm. traumatic yeah disgusting things and they did not talk about it yeah they did not talk about it they They also didn't parent they didn't parent because they were shut off they were completely they were traumatized Mm -hmm. they were totally and they were it's like drinking whiskey mm-hmm. you know and and then the women who are like you know like you see like the dads coming home and they have they pick up a coffee and they get their little paper. bourbon and they <laughs> sit down and they start reading the paper and the women because they they came home who knows what husband they left with but they came home the the husband that came home is now this cold frigid they overcompensated and they flustered about and were completely and wanted everything to be perfect I mean, they had to be perfect. Well, their children started the sexual revolution of the 60s and became <laughs> the hippies because they were like, nothing is perfect. Right. And I'm nothing make love, matters. not war. Yeah. And mm-hmm. nothing. And then they had, that's our parents. Mm-hmm. And so our, they were like, listen, there's a lot of crap. I probably did most of it at, <laughs> at Woodstock. So figure it out. <laughs> you know, and so like, and we're like, no one cared about us. Like, it's just this. And then we became helicopter parents. And we became Uber. Well, some of us more than others. <laughs> and then <laughs> I became helicopter kids. parents. <laughs> but, like, mm-hmm. And so, these kids. And so, and then, so like our children are so much, but I do think all of us became more aware of. And then in our generation, the internet was invented. And then, well, you know what's interesting? Because we, we had a study on this at a Plexus convention. And so you said the pendulum. When our kids have babies, those kids, he's like, the pendulum's going to swing back. You watch and see. They will become, they will be like, because our kids are the first generation that all they know is media. Yeah. So they're going to be fed up with it. And yeah. so it's going to pendulum back and they're going to raise their babies like, No. Off yep. grid, off grid, which is so interesting, right? Yeah. But that's what we do. It's I think, cyclical. Yeah, it is. It is so, and it's also interesting because um, 
because I'm, they see too much, know too much. They're yeah. perpetually stressed. They're perpetual FOMO. There's perpetual so and so's doing this, and I didn't know, and I and I didn't get invited. So and so's dating. So and I'm, it's too much. It's too much. It's they so, will not want that for their children. Absolutely. And that's what that's the breaking point for them. Mm-hmm. They will understand once they have mm-hmm. their own children, yep. and they will not want and that I think for them. That right. That's what. I, so that I do think that, yeah. but I also think because of that. Our generation is now unpacking the trauma. Like I think, yeah, I sure. think our and because well, we even don't in the church, it. we're like it's okay to talk. It's okay to say you need counseling. I need counseling. Like it, it's like or even I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Or even like um, we can see. Oh, your arm is broken. You have a cast. But we we're getting more and more like yes, like trauma that you can't see. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like counseling is actually like talked about now where even years ago it wasn't. It was not. So, and it's like, yeah, prom- we, we, yes, we heart counseling. We promote it. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, it is interesting, that, interesting. that that pendulum mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. our, our narrative, you know, it, it's developed. So it will be interesting to, to see, like, I am curious about what my children's narratives are mm-hmm. and how I get to help them unpack it. But mm-hmm. that's like my, like, I might be weird in that, that mm-hmm. I'm excited to help them find it and work through <laughs> it with them. No, I'm a little bit scared to hear my kids. I'm sure they, <laughs> as well, I'm thinking about even that, the but. age of kids, because if you study, if you study, which I love studying the generation things, Caden is actually a cusper. He's on the cusp mm-hmm. because he's almost 20. So he never in his childhood... Mm-hmm. He had an iPad that was like like a half hour of iPad time during the day. I mean, literally, that was his childhood. That's and so he yep, didn't have Emma, cell phones, things like that. And so what he's seeing his younger siblings like just the draw, the 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 mm-hmm. the addiction, the like he doesn't it doesn't affect him because he literally is on the he he's older, just enough older yeah. that it's like. Like there's zero interest in it even. It's almost like foolish a little bit. Whereas yeah. the, the other kids are like, this is actually, this is our life. Like you can't not have a phone. Everything, your your worship schedule, your homework schedule, mm-hmm. your team schedule. team schedule, like like they have to, which makes it's it, on it, an it app. irritates the crap out of me, but it, it is how it is. It and is it, how it is. And so during the storm that we had where it knocked out all of the internet and all of mm-hmm. our power, I admit myself... Uh, my my hubby had a emergency hotspot that only he was allowed to use because for his job, mm, which mm-hmm. like he still somehow was connected, but the rest of us were not. Me and my two sons, we're going through withdrawal <laughs> during the storm, uh, and for me and my oldest, it was communication mm-hmm. with our people. It was like I didn't realize him and I both use Snapchat. A lot. And I, that's how I actually communicate with a lot of my younger. I talk about my younger generation that I love. I was like, that's how I communicate with them is mm-hmm. through that because I'm tr- trying to speak their language. But like uh, Sam and I, we, we were definitely, I mean, we had like a nervous tick <laughs> yeah. where we were still trying to pick up our phones now and then to check. Check what? There's nothing to check. Nothing's mm-hmm. getting through. Mm-hmm. And we were going through withdrawal. And then my youngest plays, he still plays quite a bit of video games. So it's like he's going through withdrawal for a different reason. But I was like, wow. I was like, guys, we're addicted. This is how we know that we're addicted. If you can't leave a room without mm-hmm. your phone, you're addicted. If you pick up your phone for the first thing every day, you're addicted. Mm-hmm. If you um, spend a certain number of hours, you know, four to six hours on your phone, but it's not work-related, you're addicted. There's all these things where mm-hmm. it's like you know you're addicted. When I was like, wow, I can check every single one of these mm-hmm. boxes. So that's not great. 
That's not yeah. great. And this little storm that we had just revealed, I was like, for me, it's not bad things. It's, I'm a huge communicator. I, if I think of someone, I usually tell them or I reach mm-hmm. out or I say, hey, this or that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and that's my normal day. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize by the end of the day, like how many people I kind of missed. But it's like, <laughs> it's, it's nothing bad, mm-hmm. but it's still a cumulative. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot is what it is. We live in, a, it's a lot. It's we're not it's not even cons- bad things but it's just too much. It's too much even of good things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I don't know how we went on that rabbit trail. So, hey, change well, your narrative, guys. You are welcome. Change it. It's worth it. So good. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.